It's time for News Talk 720 KDWN's Ask the Expert Hour. Have a question? Call now, 702-257-KDWN. That's 702-257-5396. Welcome to Ask the Experts. My name is Brian Black. I'm here with Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing very well, <clears throat> Brian. It's how, good to be here. How was your weekend? It was a good weekend. I had an opportunity to see the Army-Navy game, which I thought was a very exciting game. And okay, very and nice. So it was part of my weekend and made it a good weekend. I'm a little envious. You got some couch time. I was up walking around in the stores uh, doing Christmas shopping all weekend. and uh, Not good. My feet hurt. <laughs> and and my wallet kind of hurts right now. But uh, it was it was still a, still a pretty good time. And I will say... Not as crowded as I thought it was going to be. Really didn't have a lot of oh, problems. Right? Yeah, no, no real long lines, anything like that. I don't know if I'm doing it early or whether I just hit the sweet spot or maybe it was uh, the cold was keeping people in. I don't know. Well, it's that spending at Christmas that keeps the economy going about this time of year. Provides a lot of jobs and yes. and uh, so people need to get out and do the Christmas shop. You know, I felt a little bit bad because there were two occasions while shopping that I actually just picked up my phone and ordered something from Amazon because I couldn't find it in the store. So I felt a little bad, but on the other hand, you know, I needed to get it done. So, Well, that's uh, the capitalistic system, you know. Amazon came up with a... Uh, a marketing philosophy, and and they're doing quite well at it. Well, you know, I was thinking um, earlier this morning, um, something that we've touched on in, in past episodes of Ask the Experts, uh, we always talk about trusts. You know, if you're, yes. if, you're, if you're putting together your estate plan, you put together a trust to take care of this person, that person, this situation, that situation. And all of those things fall under the, the umbrella of asset protection. And uh, from what I understand from you and from your office, asset protection is a pretty broad subject. It is very broad. Can you give us an, an idea of, um, you know, you've got, it's very simple. You, off the air before we got on, got on just a minute ago, I said, okay, so you have stuff and you want to keep your stuff and you want to keep other people from getting your stuff. And that's asset protection. What are, who are some of the people that might want your stuff? Well, there are all kinds of people. You, I mean, when you look at uh, asset protection, a lot of people think that it's something that, you know, is, is a modern thing, that we're trying to come up with ways of protecting assets. Well, these ways of protecting assets, uh, there are new ways that are coming up. But people are always concerned about protecting their own assets. For instance, when um, back hundreds of years ago, to protect a few gold coins that a person may have. They may dig a hole and put the gold coins in and so that nobody will see them. So when creditors come by or, or thieves come by or whatever, right. they don't find the gold coins and they can go back into the, to their land, dig up the gold coins later, and they have them. That's a form of asset protection. Okay, yeah, the original form, I guess. Sure, and also uh, people start using banks and start putting their money and their wealth into banks. And as they did, they started looking for what were good, strong, firm banks mm -hmm. that wouldn't go under because if they went under, then they would lose everything. Right. And so they wanted a strong bank. And so people were looking at putting money in there for asset protection and, and sometimes for investment. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that back in you know the you know the twenties and thirties, uh, right around the the time of the depression, the beginning of the depression, banks actually you would put your money in the bank, and when the bank went under, your money's just gone. It's just gone. And a lot of people don't really realize they they think that there's some sort of fairness to the universe that's just going to take care of them, when in fact they really need to take care of themselves. Yeah, and the government noticed this and. And they wanted to keep banks strong, and they didn't want people to completely fall apart if, if something tragic happened to them. So they created laws, and, and now banks, uh, a certain amount of, of bank deposits are insured. And so you're at least going to get back your deposits up to a certain dollar limit, uh, even if a person really had a problem and, and ran out of money and his creditors were after him. They passed bankruptcy laws that allow people to have some type of uh, exemption from bankruptcy. For instance, in the state of Nevada, we have the homestead exemption, which can protect up to 500000 of your of your equity in your home. All asset protection. Uh, protect one automobile. Protect your tangible personal property in your home. And, and other exceptions. All these are asset protection devices. And it was the government that created many of these. And they were created to, to uh, make sure that people were not going to lose everything in the event of some problem. Well, and I suppose that the idea about that is, of course, there is some some uh, there's some generosity there from the on the part of the government, but, but also, um, you know, you're not a useful citizen if you're drowning in debt or if you can't ever get out from under. Um, uh, the circumstances that led you there. And so I suppose that, that all of these things are to, to make sure that you stay afloat so that you can get back into the economy. Bankruptcy is, is one of those. And, and when you look at it uh, in uh, Christian Judeo uh, ways uh, and thinking, uh, you know, there's this idea of repentance and change of life. Mm-hmm. Well, in the financial area, once you get so far and you feel like you'd like to get back into society and move ahead and be uh, a profitable citizen mm-hmm. in our uh, in our community they have said well we need bankruptcy so that we can give somebody forgiveness or this repentance and let them move on unburdened so what kind of assets does are we talking about just cash or are we talking about what what kind of assets need protecting and why do they need protecting well, an asset is an asset, and from time to time, people may try to put uh, some claim, superior claim to yours, to an asset that you have acquired over time, and that uh, may be any and all assets that you have, anything that's not protected by a homestead exemption. Well, what we're going to do when we return in just a few seconds, we're going to talk about something very specific about us, very specific type of asset protection. Um, And if you have any questions about bankruptcy or any other type of asset protection, give us a call at 702-257-5396. And you can ask Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. It's free to call. We'll be back in just a moment. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. Welcome back. Brian Black here talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. And this week we're talking about asset protection. 
you know, it's very interesting to me. This is a very broad subject. We could probably just go on and on about uh, all the different types of asset protection because it really just means you have stuff, you don't want other people to get your stuff. One thing that we've talked about, especially last week, that was very interesting to me, we were talking about setting up a trust. And I think a lot of people uh, who've at least uh, some basic financial knowledge know what a trust is. But one thing that I didn't know about before we talked about it last week was the first party trust. And I, I, I still can't exactly wrap my head around it. Can you explain the first party trust to me? Okay, a first party trust is when the grantor, the trustor, the settler, the creator of the trust establishes a trust for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. That is a first party trust. They are creating it. They have their own assets. Right. The third party trust is a trust where someone else other than the beneficiary is setting it up and they're setting that up for the benefit of a third party. And so until such time as the beneficiary is taking those assets, mm -hmm. those assets are not that beneficiaries. Right. And so you can set it up in such a way that no one has access to that except for that third party beneficiary under certain circumstances. So and now we have first party where you're setting it up for yourself and third party, where you're setting it up for someone else. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that you always hear about when somebody, uh, you know, in their will, they set up a trust for a, a child or a, a relative, and that, that money is to benefit that person, but it's it's not something that's meant to be, you're not just giving them a load of cash, you're giving them this benefit under certain circumstances. But the first party trust is what interests me right now, because, so what you're saying is that, that if you have a million dollars, and you can set up, a, you can put that million dollars in a trust, and you still reap the benefits of you. You can disperse that that money to yourself. What's the what's the purpose of that? What does that do for you? That just sets it up so that you can organize your financial affairs and your assets in such a way that you manage it while you're still alive, mm -hmm. and then after you die, you can pass it on to whomever you want to. Now, uh, there when we're looking at the asset protection part of a first party trust it traditionally and under common law you could not take your own assets and transfer it into a an account that you're holding at the bank and you call that a an asset protection bank account you right. couldn't do that mm -hmm. because uh, it was just against you know the the way of thinking you know we, well, yeah, we, I mean, we can't you... hide our assets in such a way so uh 30, 40 years ago, there were uh, small island uh, uh, countries around the, the world that started setting up asset protection trusts. And if you transferred your assets into one of these uh, asset protection trusts, which are really a self-settled spendthrift trust, mm -hmm. um, you could get some asset protection. Your creditors under their laws would not allow the creditors to get into that trust and take those assets. And then, uh, oh, it was about 30 years ago, 25 to 30 years ago, Alaska got into this and said, hey, we, we think that there's a market here and we don't like to see all this money flowing outside of the United States right. being protected by these countries outside will create an asset protection trust in the United States and Alaska led the led it now today we have about uh, eight or nine states 
that allow asset protection, domestic asset protection trusts, where a person can transfer their own assets. It's a first party trust, right? Transfer it into a trust and under certain conditions are able to obtain asset protection where their creditors and the government and the IRS and uh, litigants cannot get into it. That is very interesting. So it's like the the quote-unquote offshore account, but it's not offshore. That is correct. So uh, you say under certain circumstances, the, the, the creditors and et cetera. Uh, so... Uh, uh, it just seems I just it's hard for me to wrap my mind around. So if you can just take all your money and put it into a trust and still have access and control of your money, but people can't come in and get it, why wouldn't everybody do that? Well, not everyone can do it. Um, okay. We have uh, fraudulent transfers. We used to have a fraudulent transfer act that says if you transfer your assets away to defraud creditors or to make yourself uh, um, indigent, mm -hmm. then we're not going to allow that. Right. So uh, if people are going to transfer all of their assets into a trust and make themselves insolvent so their creditors can't get to it, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's okay as long as it's not fraudulent. And so you always want to keep a little bit of money outside of the trust so that you, you're not completely insolvent. You can right. continue living and you transfer all these assets into the trust and, and then you can get some asset protection. Another thing that in the United States they have done in foreign lands, if, you're, if it's not a fraudulent transfer and you're not trying to avoid or evade the payment of a creditor, mm -hmm. you get instant protection. But here in the United States, they said, well, you know, we've got to give a certain amount of time. So in the United States, the self-settled spendthrift trusts generally have a time period where you need to leave your assets into the trust before you actually get the asset protection on that specific asset. Right. And in the state of Nevada, that's two years. And so you put it in today. You're not avoiding or evading the payment of any uh, known creditors. You keep it in that trust for a period of two years. Mm -hmm. And after that two-year period, then it will just be distributed according to the terms of the trust. And if you're a beneficiary of the trust, the trustee can use the funds to help you and, and provide for your well-being the rest of your life. And creditors can't get to it. Is there a limit to how much or how little that you can put into a trust like this? No, there isn't. Uh, you can put as much into an asset protection trust as, as long as you meet all the qualifications of not avoiding the payment of creditors and it's not a fraudulent transfer. So really, if you're in trouble, you're in litigation, you're in the middle of a divorce, you're in whatever it is is happening, then this is this this act is designed to prevent you from shuffling money to to avoid that that is correct so you really it's it come, goes all the way back to what we've always talked about here on ask the experts is planning it's it, it is uh planning that's right and so you know what you're looking for is okay i i have these things something may come up in the future and so therefore i need to do something about it in advance before something bad happens that's correct so uh, as far as the first party trust goes, um, can you have a bunch of them? Can you, or do you need a bunch of them? I mean, can you, can you set up different ones to do different things for you? Or should you, is it just one big one that you would set up for yourself? Well, generally you don't put uh, 
operating companies into an asset protection trust. You'd probably put uh, an operating company into a corporation and then transfer the, the corporate stock into the asset protection trust. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't put an LLC, I mean, an operating company into the asset protection trust, but you'd put it into an LLC and then transfer the LLC interest into the trust. And so you do all these things so that there's nothing within the trust that is creating any liability. So the trust cannot be uh, sued. Okay. You can be sued, but those assets that you put away into that asset protection trust are no longer yours. You can go into court. They can ask you about the trust. You raise your hand to the square when you're examined as to what your assets are after losing some litigation or whatever. You tell them the truth. Yes, I have an asset protection trust. I'm a beneficiary of it, I'm, et cetera, et cetera. But they can't get into it. It's Perfectly protected. Legal. Perfectly legal. Perfectly legal. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Uh, so uh, is there, when you're talking about a first-party trust, it takes two years before the, um, before the asset protection takes effect. How long does it take to set one up? Uh, generally, uh, by the time we, we talk through uh, what uh, the client wants to do, what they're attempting to do, and we make sure that uh, they're not going to make themselves insolvent or that there's not a, some fraudulent transfer. The states are now changing that, that uh, fraudulent transfer. Right. <laughs> they're now calling it avoidable transfers. Right, right. Avoidable transfers. So if you... Uh, and it's the same as kind of a fraudulent transfer, but they just taken the word fraud out of it. Right. And if you uh, don't have any of those assets that you're uh, trying to avoid the payment of creditors, we get all that taken care of. We draft up the trust. We get it executed. We transfer the assets into the trust. And now you get asset protection two years from the day that the, the uh, uh, transfer took place. We'll be talking more about this when we return. If you'd like to ask Brian A. Lowe a question, give us a call at 702-257-5396. We'll be right back on Ask the Experts. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720-KDWN. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Black talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe and Associates. We're talking about asset protection this week. We're talking about the the unreal kind of uh, idea of the first party trust that uh, it's a p- p- relatively new thing um, where you can basically transfer your assets into a trust and um, and protect yourself from certain types of, uh, uh, I guess, predators, I guess, asset predators, I guess you'd call them. Um, and remain the beneficiary of that trust. Exactly. So that's something. Say I'm terrible with money, right? And I come into a large amount of money, an inheritance, or I win the lottery, or a, a lawsuit, or whatever it, it ends up being. And I, I suddenly have more money than I know what to do with, and I'm terrible at handling it. Is that something that I could do to prevent myself from ruining my own life? Sure, because now you've got an excess amount of assets. Mm -hmm. You don't need all of those assets, but you would like to protect them in case somebody out there would like to get them. And, you know, the United States right now is, uh, there's so much litigation going on. This Mm -hmm. is a very litigious society. So there are are always out there the have-nots who are looking for those who have something. Mm-hmm. And if they have a deep pocket, then they become vulnerable. Right. And so when you do have something and you want to protect it, you can put it into a domestic asset protection trust. 
And after two years, you have uh, protection. No one can get to it. And yet you can continue to be the beneficiary. So you continue your life. Your, those assets are now protected. You don't have to worry about them. And <clears throat> you're protected. So, uh, you know, let's just say, you know, we're, we, you know, I, you know not, not everybody's going to win the lottery, but there are things that happen. People do inherit money. They inherit assets. They inherit, uh, you know, or, you know, they, you might get into a car wreck and you get a large settlement. And now, uh, you mentioned inheritance. Generally, when people come in and they talk about uh, receiving an inheritance, they are going to receive something from someone else. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it, I always try to get to their parent or to whoever is going to provide for them an inheritance right. and talk to them about, rather than giving it to them outright when they die, make that a third-party asset protection trust so that that, that person, our client, mm -hmm. will receive the same amount of money, but rather than receiving it outright in a bank account where the creditors can go for it, they receive it in a third-party asset protection trust, which is protected from day one. Oh, now that's interesting. And of course, it's it's before the person dies anyway. And so yes. it's it's so if you are in, if you are planning, in fact, to leave somebody something, that's 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 a a viable option uh, with the third-party trust. Now, let me ask you this though: if your money's in a trust, is how available is it to you in case you do need it? Well, in order for you to get good asset protection as whatever power you've got to get that money, mm -hmm. your creditors also have the same power. Okay. So if you're sued and they prevail, then anything that you could do, they can do. Okay. So you set up uh, triggers inside of the asset protection trust that says, says that the trustee can only use it for, let's say, what has been known as the ascertainable t standard for health, education, maintenance, and support. Creditors can't get through to it. Right. The, the trustee is only using it for your health, education, maintenance, and support. But let's say you want more. Well, <clears throat> then you put triggers on that that says under certain circumstances, you have access to some of those funds for other things. Like a car or something every few years. You can buy years. yourself a car. You can buy yourself a house. You can take the money out and just have a nice bank account. Mm -hmm. But if any of these triggers hit at that time, then the door closes and all you're going to receive then is health, education, maintenance, and support. Right. But as long as someone has that gun to your head and you're under duress, then the creditors can't get to it because they you've just lost your ability to take it out. Right. And by having multiple beneficiaries helps. You generally, we'd like to have more than just one beneficiary mm -hmm. because uh, your spouse needs to be a beneficiary. Your children need to be a beneficiary. You may put your nieces and nephews in as beneficiaries. Right. Not that they're ever going to get anything, but they are beneficiaries that the trustee has a responsibility uh, to take care of that money for and not just you. Interesting. So uh, who are the types of people that you would put uh, as the beneficiary of a third-party trust? Why, who, why would you do this? Why would you need to do this? Well, on a third-party trust, I'm not too concerned no. about, I mean, the, the beneficiaries can be very, very specific. Mm -hmm. But on a first-party trust, that's where you'll want multiple beneficiaries. You are a beneficiary. Right. Your wife is a beneficiary. Your mother is a beneficiary, your siblings are beneficiaries, your children are beneficiaries, and any and all of them could receive something from the trust. Right. Will the trustee ever give it to them? Well, 
that's up to the trustee. Mm-hmm. It's at their discretion. But since there are multiple beneficiaries and the trustee has a responsibility to all of those beneficiaries, the creditors don't have the right to come against that fund and right. take it away just because you you set it up. So yeah, that's that's more of a legal requirement so yes. that it shows the court that there's more at stake here than just your own comfort. Correct. Interesting. So um, getting back to the third party trust, um, you know, I, you know, I have people that I'd like to take care of in my life, but I know they're terrible with money. Is that a good, good reason to set up a third party trust? You bet. Matter of fact, uh, uh, some children are spendthrifts. They just can't hold the money. And a lot of people come in and they say, my, I have a, a child that's a spendthrift and I just don't want to give them anything or I would like to give it to them, but I want to protect it against their own propensity to just spend. Uh, my, uh, my child has married someone and they're a spendthrift or they have a gambling problem or we don't think that this is really going to be a forever uh, marriage and so you know, there could be a divorce in the future. And right. if that happens, we don't want that that uh, spouse, the divorcing spouse, to take half half of our money. We want it protected for the benefit of that child. Interesting. So you're you're able to set up all of these things for the future. Are they are they are they are they impenetrable? Are they unbreakable? Yes, as long as it's set up properly, and uh, uh, you're not trying to avoid or evade the payment of creditors. Um, we, as I say, we like to have other trustees in there. We like to, uh, oh, there's a couple of exceptions to the two year rule. One bankruptcy courts have said, uh, uh, we, we are not going to be bound by the two years. And they have come out and said under bankruptcy law, it has to be 10 years. Well, the IRS has followed that and say, basically saying, well, for 10 years, um, uh, you know, we can still go after it. But, you know, you don't want to wait 10 years to put the, the assets in because then you have to wait another 10 years before you get asset protection. So you want to create these asset protection trusts early enough. You're still getting the benefit from it. And that time is ticking off so that you can get pure asset protection. When we come back, Bob has a trust question for Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. If you have a question, give us a call at 702-257-5396. We'll be right back. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720 KDWN. We're talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, and we've got a a caller on the line. Bob has a question for Brian A. Lowe. Bob, are you there? Bob? Bob? I think we may have lost Bob. We do have another caller on the line. Dan would like to ask Brian a question. Dan, go ahead. Yes, I'm here. What's your uh, question? My wife um, from Cartagena, Colombia, She, her family owned a home with nine stores beneath it that they owned. And the parents, uh, the father died several years ago. And they put it in what they call in Colombia an association for the three kids. And at that time when they started the association, the mother, um, the mother then recently died. And prior to that, she was taken off the association, which are just my wife and her two brothers. It has now been liquidated, the home and the nine stores and the money put into the association. 
and uh, we're thinking about bringing it back to the United States. We're going down there next month. And uh, I'm wondering the tax implications, and can we put it directly into our trust, or what's the best way to go? Okay. <clears throat> You're talking about Colombia, which is a different government, a different uh, uh, set of laws. And I don't know what Colombia's laws are as far as uh, uh, taking money outside of that country. Sometimes countries will, in fact, uh, charge a tax for money. Legal. Oh, yeah. They're gonna, okay. We're going to be taxed. We already know that okay. in Colombia. But in, the, but in the United States, a gift is not taxable income. The giver of the gift, if they're a U.S. citizen can, in fact, have to pay a gift tax. Or the giver. The giver of the gift. But the giver of the gift, in this case, is outside the United States. They're not a U.S. citizen. They would not come under our gift tax laws. Right. Uh, also, in the United States, in some states, they we have an inheritance tax. Nevada is not one of those states. So when you inherit something in, in an inheritance tax state, you have to pay the tax because you are the inheritor. Mm -hmm. But we do not have an inheritance tax in Nevada. The only thing is an estate tax. But the estate was from outside of the United States. So here again, there is no estate tax that accrues against those assets. So as that money comes in, it comes to her uh, not as taxable income, and she can, in fact, do what she wants with those assets. She can set up a trust and create an asset protection trust or... or uh, we already have a living trust for okay. the family. Yeah, and if you have this amount of money that's coming in, you may want to change it, uh, not change it, but have a separate trust to take a large inheritance and put that into a domestic asset protection trust because that is is what you want to protect. If you just put it into your grantor trust because the creditors have a right to go against you and your assets and your assets are in the grantor trust and you have the right to reach in and get the money out of the grantor trust, they would have the ability to get into that. So, you know, something that you may want to do is set up an asset protection trust and put the money there, and after two years, then the creditors here in the United States cannot get into it. I'm not really worried about creditors. Everything we have is paid off. And, That's true, and, but, re but remember, your pockets are going to get deeper. And as I mentioned in the last uh, little session, uh, that... W you know, the, the have-nots are looking for the deep pockets, and you may have just put yourself, uh, put a target on your back. Let me ask you something, Dan. Do you have a, uh, pen, a pen ready with you right now? Yes, I do. Uh, write down this number. It's 702-259-0002. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the number to Brian A. Lowe and Associates. If you'd like to come in, it's a free consultation. Is that correct, Brian? It is. And you guys can have a, an extended conversation about every part of this uh, uh, transaction and, and maybe come up with a plan that will work for you. All right. I appreciate your help. But it's not taxable. That's what you're telling me, huh? That is correct. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks Thank for you, calling Dan. in, Dan. We've got another question uh, on the line. Mike has a question for Brian A. Lowe. Yeah, hi. I didn't hear all your program. I really don't understand what a third 
party trust is. I have a family trust, if that's the same thing. I, I, I didn't hear your comments about that. Did you set the trust up? Are you the grantor of that trust? Uh, I'm sorry, did I what? Is that trust one that you established? Yes. And it has your assets in it? Well, that's the second question I have. Most of my assets are still in my name. However, the trust is a beneficiary of the assets. So when I die, then the trust, go, the my assets go into the trust. And after listening to you, I don't think that's such a good thing to do. Well, then your assets are not in the trust until you die. You probably have what's known as a testamentary trust or you've just established a, a trust in name, basically only, that your assets are going to flow into when you pass. Correct. Okay. The trust, once the assets go into that trust, it becomes a third-party trust because it's your money, and you are having benefit for, the, for your children, your spouse, uh, your siblings, your parents, wh- whoever you're going to make beneficiaries. Right. So that becomes a third-party trust, and so you can... Uh, put the provisions in that trust in such a way that you can give them asset protection. Right, but I don't have asset protection the way it's set up now. No, no, you do not. Yeah, and that's specifically kind of what I asked for at the time. Okay. All right, I I was told this is just an easier way to do it because I didn't have to transfer all my... uh, All of my real estate is transferred in there, but bank accounts are not. And I was told it's just easier to do it this way, but according to you... Okay, now, I am uh, getting some facts from you right now. Oftentimes, what I need to do is just take a look at the trust. If you come in, give me, give me a call. You can come in. It's a free consultation. I'll review that trust and tell you if it is really a domestic asset protection trust. Okay. And then after you know what you need to do, then you can uh, act accordingly. And if you need that number, anybody that's listening right now, the number to Brian A. Lowe and Associates is 702-259-0002. That's 702-259-0002. You can look, up, look them up online at southernnevadalawyers.com. Very interesting questions we've gotten on today's show, wouldn't you say? Yes, it's been a very good session. So let me ask you this. We've got about a minute and a half left. Is there anything more that you can add to uh, the discussion as far as protecting your assets? Uh, what are some, some things? that uh, could be happening in somebody's life where they need to start thinking about this? Any assets that they want to protect, they should do it as quickly as they can because if they don't, some people say, well, I've got to wait two years. And so they'll wait two years and all of a sudden a creditor hits. Right. And so now they think, well, what can I do now? Can I do some asset protection planning now? Well, now it could be considered an avoidance or uh, or evading the payment of creditors. Mm-hmm. And so you want to set it up while you still have the legal right to do so. The number to call if you'd like to set up a free appointment with Brian A. Loan Associates for a consultation is 702-259-0002. That's 702-259-0002. We'll be back next Monday right here with Brian A. Loan Associates on Ask the Experts on AM 720 KDWN.